What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage people to check out their local food bank to see how they can help, as food banks like the Ozarks Food Harvest here in my town are helping families overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. I also invite you to follow me on social media, like Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, either at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. Links are in the show notes for you to click on. This week, we are joined by Elizabeth Pampalone, who found herself frustrated with most traditional marketing methods as a small business owner. In response, Elizabeth developed Absolute Marketing, which is a system she now uses with other small business clients to develop, implement, and maintain their marketing for a year out, all in a matter of days. In our conversation, Elizabeth talks about her own journey, as well as some great insight into how marketing works in some of the most subtle ways. I had a blast talking to Elizabeth, so let's get over to it. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Elizabeth Pampalone. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So, Elizabeth, you are the owner of Absolute Marketing. Uh, website mm-hmm. is absolutemarketing.com. So we'll just jump straight to it. What is Absolute Marketing? It is a system that I developed for myself first. <laughs> um, and I basically learned how to do all of my marketing for the entire year in five days. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's a pretty handy, (laughs) handy tool then. (laughs) Yeah. And Uh, I just, I realized that so many people needed that and people kept asking me, you know, how do you do it? And how do you put out so much content and how are you everywhere all the time? Um, and they basically think I don't sleep, which sometimes that happens, but (laughs) for the most part, it's the system and it, it really does work. So when you developed the system, were you, were you operating in a different business at that time? I was actually started my first company in 2007. It was a computer repair company. Mm. So I would go into senior centers and teach computer classes. And then from there, those people would have me come to their, you know, homes and fix their computers and work on their computers, teach them things. And so I was marketing myself really to the residential market. Um, And I just, I found ways to do that. I found out how to do that. But in turn, I still use social media. I still had a website. I still, you know, did all the normal marketing things. I still sent emails and that really kept the business going for, I had that business for 10 years. Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. And it's, I always, it, it, you know, it it seems like if someone is entrepreneurial, then they, (laughs) they just kind of have the itch from uh, an early time. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's always the case or not. I'm sure there's, (laughs) sure there's plenty of examples where people start later as well. Um, but it just seems to be kind of a bug that, that some some people have. Um, so, you know, I, I guess what are, you know, you say you're doing all of a year's marketing in five days. I only recently discovered um, a tool that allows me to, <laughs> to automate social media posts just a week <laughs> in advance. And I thought that was life changing. Um, so to have a whole year, you know, <laughs> done in a week sounds sounds even more so incredible. Um, I mean, how do you, I guess, what, what is the system by which you're, you're, you're walking people through that? So I started with the brand and I feel that a lot of people, they have a logo, they might, they might not, but some, most, most people do, especially if they've been in business a little bit, you know, this really is for people that have been in business about three to five years. Um, when you're first starting out, this is kind of, you know, you need to bootstrap, (laughs) you need to kind of DIY until that point. But once you get to a point where you're like, 
I need to be doing more, but I don't have time to fit all this in. I, I'm working with clients. I'm trying to market myself. I'm trying to spend time with my family. I'm trying to balance everything. And this can really take off tons of stress. So the brand is something that I find that people, you know, they've, they've started out with something. It was great back then. <clears throat> and now it, it's not so great. It, it might not even tell people what you do exactly. It might have been a little bit too off the mark, but you somehow made, you know, a business out of it. And now it's kind of not resonating with people that you're trying to work with, or it's not sending the right message. Um, maybe you've changed what you're doing. And so it's really not sending the right message anymore. And so it's not about changing the company name or anything like that, but it's really about getting the message correct around the brand, co you know, correcting any colors, any logo, you know, issues, it blur if it's blurry, if it wasn't done correctly, if you DIY'd it, um, making sure that it's your mark that you can basically run with for years and years and years and, and not have to worry about it anymore. So the first day is really set up to rebuild or build your brand in a really cohesive and really solid way. Because if you do your brand correctly, all the other marketing stuff falls into place. And um, that's why on day one, we really make sure that that brand is solid. You have all the right logos, you have all the right images, you know your colors, you know your fonts, and you know your message most of all. And then we also write an ebook on that day for your website. Uh, it's like five to 10 pages. And then on day two, we work on your website usually starting from scratch. A lot of people's websites are kind of piecemealed together over years and they just get kind of messy. And so, you know, we just start from scratch. And by the end of that day, the website day, you have a finished completed website that has all the bells and whistles you need and none of the ones you don't. Um, and then day three is 12 months of social media where we actually create 365 social media posts designed, written, and scheduled all done. I mean, literally, like you said, scheduled in, done. And then it's like a post a day. Um, and then we go in and we do day four, which is blogging. And we do the same thing with, with blog posts, you know, create 12 months of blog posts, designed, written and scheduled, you know, ready to go. And now your email marketing will trigger when those blog posts come up. And so day five is email marketing. We also create additional emails that might send out, you know, if you do specials every month or if you want to send additional information to remind your referral partners of what you're looking for in any given month. Um, and a lot of these things can be planned out ahead of time. And a lot of people think that they can't or they say, well, my business changes too much. But really, there's so much you can do ahead of time. It's like, why not just take the advantage, you know, that you have with this and really get it knocked out and then as things come up, you can always add more. You can always post, you know, different things. You can say, oh, I, I won this award. I'm speaking at this conference. Things you have no idea that will happen in a year or so. But the other stuff is the stuff you should be telling people all the time anyway. You know, that foundational stuff in your business. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's limiting you. It's really just taking all that off your plate, freeing up your brain to do other things, to be creative in different ways, and also freeing up your time so that you can actually build the relationships that are going to move your business forward. Yeah, no, that's that all. That all sounds um, very, <laughs> very streamlined. Um, to 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 speak to the very first day that you talked about with developing the the brand and and to some extent it sounds like the logo. I guess that would be a question that I I have, and it's something that I'm I, I've you know seen different points of view on. Do you see a separation between brand and logo, or do you see those as kind of synonymous ideas? Well, I think the brand is really the soul of your business. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it is that piece of your business that 
it, it's everything that you do. It's everything that you are. It's your personality um, or your business's personality, I would say. And and it really is just that that feeling that when somebody sees a logo or a color, they think of you. They think mm-hmm. of your business. It reminds them of, oh, that, that looks like something so-and-so would use or that, you know, whatever. And so, for example, when I started um, using green as my color, I did a photo shoot in a green dress. And it was just a photo shoot. It wasn't anything crazy. And I just did it for, you know, for branding purposes. And mm-hmm. I didn't really give much thought as to what I was wearing. And my logos were, you know, over the years had been totally different colors. They had been all crazy. Um, I had changed it multiple times. And I never really had a solid name either. And once I took these photos in the screen dress, I realized that's my brand. When people see this, I want them to think of me. And obviously they're photos of me, so that's not you know too far. But <laughs> when people see that green in other places, they'll say, oh, I saw this, this you know Yeti cup and it was your green. Or I saw this dress in a window and it was your green. They don't say, I saw a green dress and it reminded me of you. They say, I saw your green. I saw a notebook and it was your green. I got you this pen. It's your green. It's just this thing that they attach in their brain. It's like this color means this person. And it's, it's Kelly green. It's not anything special. It's on a lot of stuff. Um, You know, me and BP pretty much have the same colors, like (laughs) yellow (laughs) and green. Um, But it's, it's not about that. It's about the brand, the, the essence, the soul that I've put to that and what my message is around that. And when people see something green like that, they think, I got to talk about my marketing. I should do my social media. I should probably write a blog. You know, they think about the things that I've talked about. It triggers something in their brain to kind of go get those files and, and represent them to themselves, you know? And, and I think that that's really what a brand is. It it could be, you could have a great logo. You could have a horrible logo, but your horrible logo is going to reflect on you. Not in a direct way where someone's going to say, wow, your logo is bad. They're just going to subconsciously think, wow, that logo is bad. And I'm, it's not going to trigger their brain to do anything you want them to do. Um, and so I really believe that strong branding that is clean and simple and clear with the messaging. You know, my messaging is all about marketing. It's all about simplification of marketing. You know, if that's my message and I keep saying that over and over and I don't mix it up too much when I speak about it, people are going to start kind of just memorizing basically what I say. And I've had people parrot my words back to me. I've had them, like I said, remember the green color and and bring that back to me as well. And so that really is what the brand is, is when you can be recognized when you're not even there, they're not even thinking about you. They're not even thinking about business. They're in target. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is when really, you know, that your brand is working or when someone has said, you know, I've had this happen too. I hand someone my card and they look at it and they go, I think I get your emails and, and you're like, I don't know you. I just met you. So thank you. You know, <laughs> but it's kind of that thing. Like I've seen this before. I've heard people say that too. I've seen this before and I'll say, Oh really? Where? And they'll say, I don't know. I think I heard a podcast and you had your picture. Or I think I saw this green thing somewhere, you know, and they just, they try to remember. But the fact is that their brain brought them this picture. It brought them this memory. And it's, it's really about how can I get to that level where, my brand is so recognizable amongst the group I'm trying to attract that, you know, I'm, I've not, I've kind of gained Nike or Apple status, but within a small group. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting, you know, even right there in the example you were you were providing when you said, you know, maybe they're in a Target or something and they, they, they make this association. I mean, just when you said the word Target, even in my in my head immediately flashed, you know, first the color red <laughs> followed mm-hmm. by their little sign which obviously their logo is just a very kind of really stereotypical target, right? Mm-hmm. But yet 
the name, the color, and the logo, you know, and obviously Target's a, a very national franchise, so <laughs> lots of ads and stuff to push that top of mind awareness. But um, to your point, I guess, my, or the point I'm trying to get to is that I, I didn't imagine what the inside of a Target store looks like, right? Or imagine mm-hmm. like the goods they sell. I saw the logo is, is what flashed into my head. But you also probably thought subconsciously, maybe not, you know, in front of your mind, but, you know, the, obviously the image came first. Mm-hmm. But you also probably, you know, had this kind of subconscious thought about that Target's not Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's a totally different thing. And they sell the same stuff. They have the same type of goods, but they have a different audience. And so even if someone says to you, I went to Target, you think of them in a certain way, right? We we judge, we stereotype. It's just what we do. It's how our brain works. (laughs) But we think of people in a different way because, oh, they went to Target. They, maybe we think they have money. Maybe we think, I don't know, right? Whatever. Um, But if they say I went to Walmart, you're kind of like what did you get at Walmart? Like, what do they even have that, you know, somebody would want, you know, or whatever. Like you might have right. these thoughts depending on where you shop, where you do. I go to Dollar Tree all the time. And when I tell right. people I go to Dollar Tree, they're like, really? Like Dollar <laughs> Tree? You know, I'm like, yes, it's cheap and it's good stuff. And they're like, I haven't been in a Dollar Tree since I was like in college and broke, you know? <laughs> right. And so you know, this may be stereotypical thing, but it, it brings this brand, this whole brand with it. It's not just you know, the, the, the image or the logo, it brings a feeling, it brings a, another sense to it. It's not just the one piece that you're seeing as just the image. Yeah. And I, you'll have to forgive me because I'm just now picking your brain for marketing analysis (laughs) on a broader scale. But I mean, I was thinking the other day about, and obviously this is not unique to me, but it's remarkable to me how successful in, in what you're speaking about, where it like, it kind of, makes a person feel, you know, either one way or another about themselves or one way or another about mm-hmm. other people based on where they're shopping. Starbucks seems to have crossed all lines, right? Like, like I see people who look incredibly affluent, people who seem not as affluent. It doesn't really seem to matter. Everyone is getting Starbucks all the time. And it's just, it, it's, it's remarkable to see a company transcend just every demographic, it seems. <laughs> to, yeah. To and I in. think that that comes with, our, our, it's a psychological thing. And I, I go into this a lot when I, when I talk about sales or I talk about social media or marketing in any way, um, is that there's a psychological component and whether we like it or not, our brains are wired a certain way. And it's not that we're super prejudiced or we don't like these people or that people. It's nothing like that at all. It's, it's literally the way that our brain processes information. And so when you think about Starbucks, like you said, it could be any kind of person, right? It could be a, mm-hmm. a young person, an old person, a rich person, a poor person. It doesn't matter. But what, comes after that is then when someone tells you they went to Dunkin Donuts and they only like Dunkin Donuts and they don't like Starbucks then what then they have then there's another thing okay that bread's a different brand they have a different target market they have a different audience they don't you know everyone likes donuts I mean obviously Starbucks doesn't really sell donuts but it's the other coffee brand right it's the other one Mm -hmm. and that's kind of their one of their main direct competitors (laughs) and so you know you're looking at that and you're thinking well how are they not transcending as much as Starbucks is? And what Starbucks really does sell is status. Mm-hmm. If you have a Starbucks cup in your hand, people think that's a $5 coffee. Right. You could afford a $5 <laughs> coffee. Well, you must be somebody. You must be doing something right. And so even though you may not, and that may be like how all of your money is draining out of your savings account little by little every day. <laughs> right. That doesn't matter because in, in the world, Starbucks means something. 
Right. It means yeah. uh, slight affluence in, in its own right. And even though that may not be true, you know, there's people that drive Bentleys who are broke, you know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's the same thing. But I think the Starbucks has really kind of given this this air to coffee that um, it, it kind of puts you on a fence. You're, you're on Starbucks side or you're not. And I know there's a really avid coffee drinkers that I'm in my life that I know. And <laughs> They abhor Starbucks. They say right. it's horrible coffee, that they don't like it. There's no reason. Like, it's it's really bad, and they, they don't know how people can drink it and all this stuff. <laughs> and then I look at it, and I think, but then they're not that target market. And, right. and Starbucks, even though they transcend so much, they still have a target market. So I guess that's a, a maybe a, another question. You know, you've talked about the, the importance of, of establishing the brand and the logo and how that kind of communicates a lot to a person um, even in a very maybe subtle and nuanced way, because it's just a, an image or something, right? Or just mm-hmm. a color even. Um, but how how important is it also for, and, and maybe this isn't a question you're dealing with because you are dealing with businesses that are, you know, not brand new. I mean, they're, you know, like you said, three to five years. But how important is it for a business to understand their target market? Um, and is that ever discovered through marketing or is that something that needs to be figured out well ahead of actually starting a marketing campaign? It is the first thing. It is paramount. Um, It is part of your brand and you can't really create a good solid brand unless you have a solid target market because Mm -hmm. your brand really communicates to the person that you're trying to attract. Now, you know, uh, let's say, for example, um, Instagram, majority of their users, and a lot of people don't know this, but a majority of their users, a, a large majority, are under 35 females. Mm. So if you're trying to attract under 35 females, you're going to build your brand in that way. And Instagram did a really good job of that. They focused on photographs. They focused on lifestyle brands. They focused on brands over people. So even though Kim Kardashian is a really large following there, She's not a person, she's a brand, you know? So they really focused on that and and that's what they built the platform on. So they knew that the target audience was women under 35 and they knew that this was gonna take off there. So they really pushed that those types of people would be on their, you know, know, platform and that they really tried to get those influencers in early. Um, And so when you build that brand, you know, their icon, and I think this is kind of hilarious, their icon is pink. And slightly mm. orange, right? So, but it's mostly pink. And if you look at Twitter, their mo- majority of their users are men under 35. Hmm. And it's blue. Now, I know <laughs> that that's a very stereotypical thing, but if you think about it, they are subliminally messaging their audience. That's why. And it, it worked. And <laughs> yeah. that's what their audiences are. So, there's just this thing about, you know, that, that we are kind of, we have this thing in our brains and it's called, you know, psychology <laughs> and mm-hmm. we use it and we don't even know we're using it. And then marketers can really get it at that. And if you understand how people buy, why they buy, why they're attracted to certain things, why they're not attracted to certain things, then you will definitely be able to make it with your marketing in any, in any industry, any business, because it's about persuasion, not about convincing. It's about taking everything you know about what you do and turning it around and saying, how is this going to help you? And that's what I need to convey to you. So with social media, you know, with, with Twitter and, and um, Instagram, you know, Instagram is about the pictures and about the comments and about all that stuff, right? 
but Twitter is tell me in as few words as possible because I have other things to do. And that's, I really feel like a lot of men are like, <laughs> the fewer words, the better. Get to the point. Tell me what's going on. And so, you know, that's where I feel like they've gravitated to it. There's no, there's not many pictures. Even in the beginning, Twitter had no pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've gravitated away from that now and they've got pictures and videos and things like that. But really, it's still the really, the much, as much of the platform as it used to be. It's the 220, 140 characters, 240 characters, whatever it is now. And right. it's that short, sweet, text version and the, and users spend you know f- up to 50 minutes um to an hour on instagram at one time so women scrolling 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 and then on twitter it's 2.7 minutes is the average time hmm. so you're really seeing how these two platforms played into their majority target markets and like i said not everybody on there is those ages right i mean i'm i'm on instagram i know friends that are on instagram they're over 40 like they love it whatever but the majority and so that's really what that target market is. If you know that ahead of time, you can create a product, you can create a service that serves those people. And, and that brand has to convey, hey, this is for you. This was made just for you. And so if you skip that, um, it can really it can really damage your chances. And maybe you've got this great website, you've got this awesome social media, and you're still failing and you don't know why. It's probably your brand. It's 99% of the time your brand. And it's just not conveying the message you know, kind of as the, it's going before the everything else. It's the first thing people see is the brand. And that's what needs to kind of herald, hey, this great stuff is coming behind this brand. You need to like pay attention um, because it was made for you. So I really think the target market is important. Now I did um, talk on a podcast today and I was, you know, talking with somebody else and they were like, but you know, if you do your target market and then it changes, I'm like, so it changes. It's not set in stone. You want to try and do something till it's finished, right? So you don't want to just say, today my target market is this and tomorrow my target market is that. You're going to get really confused and you're going to spend a lot of money chasing all these different target markets. But if you start with one and you go to kind of the end of it, you're like, you know what? This really isn't my target market or these people really aren't buying here. Find out, I'm going to give it three weeks, I'm going to give it three months, whatever your timeline is. Now I need to to look at it again and reevaluate and say, now I need to change it. Now I need to you know, up level it. Maybe my people I went after didn't have enough money. Their, their income bracket wasn't high enough, or maybe they, they, I'm, you know, what I'm doing is better for people with children. The people I went after didn't have children or people with pets and people, the people I was looking at didn't have pets or whatever. So you look at those pieces and you can reevaluate at any point, but you want to at least try to kind of exhaust all the possibilities with one before you move on to another one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's really interesting. I had no idea that, that Twitter and, and Instagram represented a gender reveal party. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> their logo. That's, that's very interesting. In your work, I mean, you've mentioned that you're working with with small businesses, but you're also working with charities and nonprofits. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah, we started that um, at the beginning of 2020. 
Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, I mean, I guess, is it is it pretty much the same principles across the board, whether it's a business or a nonprofit, or are there different considerations depending on the type of um, entity that you're working with? It really is. Um, there are a lot of similarities, and I feel that a lot of people do not take that into account, mm-hmm. and they treat nonprofits like these poor little church mice who, you know, need a simple little website, you know, they need to take some donations and maybe have a Facebook page and that's about it. Mm -hmm. But really, if you don't treat it like a business, you lose so much. Um, And and those nonprofits are able to help so many fewer people Mm -hmm. because they're not able to get the reach they need. And so, you know, while fundraising in itself is a kind of its own animal, Selling a table at a charity event or, you know, doing a live auction on Instagram or, you know, like doing something like that. Those are all um, the same types of things that businesses do, but they put so much more into the marketing efforts. And I, I've heard a lot of and people say they want to start nonprofits because they're going to get some grant and that grant's going to pay for them to run the nonprofit for a year. And um, they're going to help, you know, 20 families or 50 families or 100 families. And while that's a nice sentiment, you can actually bring in more funds, help more people, probably pay yourself a pretty decent wage at the same time um, by actually going after the fundraising and marketing it as if it were a business, but that is operating as a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I've just seen that a lot of people kind of go that grant route. They just say, well, we need money and this is how we get it. But really, there's much more money out there than people realize. And you just have to have the right message. If your message is like, um, I remember when I was a kid, I watched the Little Rascals movie and they were in the tent trying to raise money for the race. And he says, come on, people, we need your money. And that's (laughs) not the right message. You know, (laughs) you have to have a compelling argument of why. What? Okay, if I give you my money, first of all, I'm not really getting anything back except a good feeling. Right. So that good feeling has to very much outweigh the $5, the $1,000, the million dollars I'm going to give you. And so I have to know that it's actually going to a good cause, that it's actually going to help someone. And that argument has to be pretty compelling. And those the evidence and the facts have to also accompany that. So if you can't present that well, obviously you're not going to be a great fundraiser. But if you can present that and you can be simple and compelling – Man, you you can really really do well, and you can also do a lot of good. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I I know a, a a local nonprofit or charity organization here in my area that I talk about pretty frequently at the very beginning of the show. I usually mention in my intro is the a local food bank, Ozarks Food Harvest, and I had never really thought about it until, <laughs> frankly, until talking with you just now. But they actually do just have a very effective marketing strategy now. I also have you know, done some research on them as an organization, and, and they're a, a very um, efficiently ran organization. I think it's like 95% of their of their of the money they take in goes to the actual charity, you know, not to administrative costs or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's a very efficiently ran organization. And I, 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 in, my, in my own mind, I think that like because I know that and because I know the cause, that that's why I'm consistently involved with them. And But but it is also just their marketing. I mean, there's, there's, you know, they're constantly putting stuff in grocery stores and I'm getting mm-hmm. things in the mail and email. And I just never really, because it's not a business, I'd never really thought of it <laughs> as marketing. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's the best marketing, right? Whenever it's not, whenever it's not uh, detected <laughs> as such. Yes. It's stealth. It's very stealth. And I think that that's something that's really interesting. You know, 
when we talk about marketing in general, the reason I do the five days and the reason I try to get people to kind of, you know, create so much content at the beginning of the year, or, you know, at least at a starting point so they can go like May to May or, you know, December, to December, whatever right. is because marketing is built of touches built on touch. And so if I can um, send out a post and you see it in your feed, and then, like you said, you get a postcard in the mail and you see me and uh, my logo and information at a grocery store. And now you're seeing, um, you know, you might get an email from me <clears throat> and it might have our blog post, and then someone does their birthday and donates it to our cause or whatever. Now you have been touched. I don't even know how many I said, maybe seven or eight times and you don't even realize it, but now, you know, it's seven to 12 touches before someone takes an action especially when money is involved. And that action could be really small because they're still learning and they're still like a little skeptical. It could be like, just, Hey, I want to get on your email list or it could be large and say, you know what? They are out there. They are pushing this thing. They are doing so much good in this community. I am ready. Like we were going to give $500 to something this Christmas. I'm going to do it to the food bank. We'll give it to the food bank. Right. And because you, you've already been touched enough times with them. Now you might've also seen operation Christmas child out there. And you mm. might have also seen other charities out there. Your church might have even sent you something. And now you don't, there's no dilemma though. The food bank did a better job. They are the ones who put themselves in the positions that you were in. They, they've, they knew where their target market was. You're in the grocery store. You're at home receiving the mail. You're getting your emails. They knew that. Mm -hmm. And they put that information in front of you multiple, multiple times until you were like, you know what? That's what I want to do. It's almost almost inception in a way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, well, and it's it's interesting to, you know, and again, kind of a, a tangent here to some extent, maybe the whole conversation with me is, but um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's one of these things where words like subliminal or words like the, the, the big word that I'm, I'm dancing around that I'll just get to is, is manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, that word carries a really, really negative connotation where people feel like yes. I don't want to be manipulated, but that's not manipulation. Isn't literally always bad, right? Like for example, is it bad that Ozarks food harvest, that's the, the food bank I'm talking about. Is it bad that they've <laughs> subliminally gotten in my mind to help me, to encourage me to, to donate to helping, you know, families and, and children, especially in need. I, I would argue it's not right. I don't think there's anything um, evil going on with that. So I just, I, I think it's an interesting um, point, I guess, just that just because something is subtle or, or even because something is designed to generate an action or a response doesn't mean that it's nefarious by nature. I mean, arguably, Anytime we speak to anyone, unless we're just telling them a piece of information and don't care what they do with it, we're trying to manipulate. Again, that word is maybe a word people aren't comfortable with, but that's really what we're trying to do. Um, yes. And and I do think it's more, I, I feel like marketing is more about inception. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's it's not something that you are trying to get someone to do something, like you said, in a bad way, you right. are saying, this is the outcome I want. How do I get to that? And, and I, I know that, um, Chris Voss, he's a, a negotiator, he's uh -huh. a former negotiator, FBI negotiator. And I've, I've read his book. Um, <laughs> and his, his, I'm trying to remember the name of the book, but never split the difference. I'm listening to it right now. Split the difference. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> he is an amazing, I mean, that book was, it was so eye opening for me. 
And he basically says that you are constantly in negotiation. You're, con- you're negotiating with your kids, you're negotiating with your dog, you're negotiating with your husband, you're negotiating with your parents, your friends, you're constantly in negotiation. And uh, after I'd read that book, I got an email from a friend and she said, where do you want to go to lunch? And a couple of times she picks a place that I was like, mm, I don't really want to go back there. And so I suggested three places to her, letting her choose, but also controlling the, the direction we went. She mm-hmm. then wrote back and said, two of those places don't sound good, but I'm not sure I want the third place. Do you have any other suggestions? So then now she's putting it back in my court. So it was very interesting that we were, we're friends. We're not, it wasn't anything nefarious, but we were negotiating, you know, and, right. and I think that that, then it could be construed as manipulation. It could be construed as whatever you want, but people have free will, you know, and that is something that no matter how many times I tell you, you know, you need to do this. You should book me. You should hire me. You should work with me. It doesn't mean you're going to. It doesn't mean that the end result that I want is going to happen. But if I'm persuasive enough, not convincing, if I'm persuasive enough, mm-hmm. then and, and my argument lands with you somehow, whether it's emotionally, whether it's monetarily, whether it's getting you to a goal faster, whatever that answer is, if it lands with you in some way, you're going to make the decision, but you're going to make it. I'm not going to force you to make it. You're going to choose on your own. And so I think that's where manipulation and the more of an inception they, they have that difference there is the manipulation can be that negative piece. But the inception is I'm going to give you enough information for you to make that decision. But if you're going to think that it's your idea, even though I've really guided you to that decision, you're definitely going to, to choose on your own. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, um, I, yeah, I, I think that that's a, an important distinction to be made. And, and like I said, you know, the, the, there's a few words that, that, that negotiation is one, uh, manipulation is one, consequence is one, where there are these words that are used in a very specific and narrow framing, mm-hmm. but they don't just mean <laughs> the ways that they're narrowly yes. framed commonly, right? So anyway, um, so, you know, another another thing, I guess, are, and, and maybe we just answered this question, so if, if so, you're welcome to just say that, but what do you think is um, maybe you know, an element that, that people think is really important about marketing, but isn't, or maybe another way to say it is like, what, what do you think is maybe one of the bis- biggest misconceptions about marketing? Um, you know, there are so many, <laughs> Sure. I think the one that really stands out, you know, that I get asked a lot is, well, do I really need a website? And mm-hmm. a lot of people have gotten away from it because of things like click funnels and, you know, you just need a landing page. And I've even had people call me and say, look, I don't need a website. I just need a landing page. And what I remind them is a landing page is a website. It's just that you only see one of the pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just a little different terminology, but it's really the same thing. And right. so people say they don't need a website. My argument to that is you need all five of the pieces I mentioned, mm-hmm. branding, website, social media, email marketing, and blogging. And the reason you need all of that is because Social media, instead of just using that, some people say, well, I can just use social media. I don't need anything else. What if your account gets turned off? What if those people aren't on, your people aren't, don't see you on Facebook? What if Facebook hides you because of the algorithm? Then what? You're not reaching the people you need to reach. But if you could send them an email and you could direct them back to your website to book a call with you and you could have courses or you know whatever products on your website they can purchase even when you're not working with them directly or one-on-one um, they could, you could also have your email marketing going out on a regular basis with tips and tricks or helpful information events. You can also have your blog being posted so that your website is actually gaining SEO. So 
I'm kind of giving you this daisy chain effect that shows that all of these pieces work together. That if you just have one, it's going to take you basically 10 times as long to get to the goal you're trying to get to. Eventually you could get there. I know a lot of people that have gotten there just using those pieces, but why would you limit yourself? And really it's kind of like, um, you know, like the old craft shows. My mom used to do the craft shows uh, mm. when I was a kid. And they would have them at a high school. And there was one right down the street from our house. And so she would go to the high school. She would set up her table. She would sell her craft things that she had made. But that was literally it. Mm-hmm. There, there was no other place that she was selling. And it was because it was a hobby for her. It wasn't a big deal. If it had been her business, if it had been what fed our family, she would have had to go to 10 craft shows a month. She would have had to been at every single open house thing she could find. She would, because we didn't have the internet back then, right? So she would have been out, had to been out there doing so many different things. She would have had to been in shops and talking to owners and right. That would have been what she would have had to do because if she would have just limited herself to those little craft shows, like she did, she would have sold what was on the table and that would have been it. And that's not enough to actually build a business on. It's enough to do a hobby, but not a business. And so I think that when you say, oh, I'm just going to use social media or I'm just going to use this landing page and just use my email list just one time and for my funnel and that's it. You're basically limiting yourself to a high school. (laughs) You're limiting yourself to one room of people that are going to see you and you're not utilizing all the pieces in tandem to actually build something robust and helpful. Um, that's going to help you grow and that's going to kind of run for you at a certain point. So, you know, I really feel like the misconception that you don't need a website, you just need social media or you just need, um, you know, a, you know, like funnel or a lead page or whatever. That is where people get in trouble because the number one reason for social media, and I talk about this in my classes and people always, they just look at me really funny when I say this, the number one reason for social media is to direct people to your website. Mm. I have never put my credit card into Facebook. (laughs) It doesn't happen. I click on something, it takes me to a website, and then I make a purchase. So it's definitely uh, a big misconception, and I hope that people start getting over that uh, soon because it's it's kind of hurting a lot of people to to get stuck there. Right. No, that, yeah, that makes a a ton of sense. Um, And I I, I love, I love your, your, your point that, should seem obvious because you still have to type in a URL to get to a landing page, but that a landing page is still a website. So if yeah. you want to go that far, let's just make a couple more pages here, folks, you know, like, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Are you working primarily like one one on one? Maybe isn't the right word because obviously businesses might have teams or something. But are you working directly with the businesses? Or are you speaking in groups and working with people through your website? Like, how do you engage with your clients primarily? I'm doing both. I have clients that I do coaching with. I teach a lot of classes, um, free classes, paid classes. It just depends on, you know, who's who's offering to host and who wants me to show up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach through um, some, some channels like SCORE, SBDC. Those mm-hmm. are some free options that people can take advantage of that are actually promoted by the government. So 
and they're paid for by the government. Um, and so I teach through there. And I also have a membership that I run, which allows people to to join. Um, I give feedback. We do networking. I teach classes through there. And so I'm kind of doing some group and some individual. But a lot of my sessions, um, we have a done with you, a done for you, and then we have coaching. So those three things are usually one-on-one with clients to an extent. Um, but I, like I said, I teach a lot of classes, so that's kind of where I get my groups in. Mm-hmm. And that really is what fills my funnel as far as, you know, actually getting clients. And um, I feel like if you can teach people something that definitely moves them forward, that they will come back to you for the transformational change that they need. So um, I try to always offer something that, hey, like you can do this. Like this is not rocket science. I don't have some secret message that you can't hear until you pay me. But I want to give you the information that's going to move you forward. But if you want the transformational change, then it's time to actually put some effort in, put some money in, invest in yourself, invest in your business and actually have that change happen. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and something I, you know, I, I was looking at your website and, uh, and you, you have a podcaster and, and have several podcast episodes, I think as, as of the time of us speaking, I think you've got 40. Um, however, you're kind of the opposite of the walk show <laughs> where my episodes <laughs> are all very long. Yours are all very short, which is, is brilliant though, because it's not a large time commitment. It's not something that people have to, you know, especially something like marketing that, that might, that people might be intimidated by it's not a, you know, a PowerPoint presentation where they need to get ready to take notes. You've got bite-sized little snippets that, that still have good, good content in them. Um, so I, I definitely encourage people to check that out. And, and I had actually checked out just the, the, the most recent one that you had about consistency. And I just found it so interesting. And you even made the joke in, <laughs> in the recording about how you consistently talk about consistency. Um, and I and I thought to myself about how how much I see that as a as a message, and I and you know obviously in, in your world you're talking about it in the through the lens of of marketing, but it seems to be something that really just kind of applies to to all of life. But you know maybe do you want to elaborate on that? What is what is the 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 value or the importance of consistency as it applies to marketing? It is it is very important, and I, I see that that's what a lot of people struggle with. Um, mm. You know, they they don't have a, a plan, they don't have a formula, and it really does weigh them down when it comes to actually being consistent. Because, you know, when you see someone's information and it says, you know, on, on Facebook, let's say, and it says they posted six months ago, mm-hmm. I'm really going to question, are they still in business? That's going to be my first thought. Um, and if if I see that they posted six days ago, I'm going to say, oh, well, I'm just going to call them or I'm going to contact them and see if they can help me or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it gives the person on the other end a little bit of a, I guess, like a a signal that says, oh, these people are still around. Um, There's a company that I was actually going to be purchasing from for my husband. It's called, um, I'll mention them because they're, they're pretty awesome. It's called the Scruffy Goat. Mm. and they make these, I think it's hilarious. He has a goatee. And so they make these little things that are like sandpaper (laughs) and it allows him to soften his goatee. So it's like not scratchy to me. And so um, I thought that was really cool. And so we'd used him for a couple of years and then we kind of lost touch with the company. We just, we moved around, we didn't order them. And then I thought, you know what? I should get those again. So I went to the website 
it was kind of strange. Some things were a little out of place. And then I went to the social media. They hadn't posted in almost a year or two. It was like a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, you know what? Okay, I'm just going to order from the website. It's a very small amount of money. I'm just going to risk it and see if anything happens. I sent an order in. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a confirmation and everything, but it didn't, you know, it's an automated system. And I kind of waited around for a little while. And then I emailed them through their support message and I didn't get anything back. And then I went to their Facebook page again and I was like, all right, I'm just going to try and like message them through their page. And I said, are you guys still in business? Like, I don't know what's going on here. And I was kind of like, you know, hey, hey, sound the alarm. What's going on? And they wrote me back almost immediately. And they're like, yeah, we're still here. We, your order got stuck in a whatever queue and we're, we're fixing that now and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you guys haven't posted on your social media in almost two years. What is going on? They're like, oh, we got busy. We just don't have time for that right now. And I was like, I almost didn't order. I was afraid to put my credit card in your in your website because your social media wasn't updated. Right. And they're like, oh, we're going to have to work on that. you know. And I said, hey, look, I can help. And of course, they didn't take me up on it. <laughs> but it was just one of those things that I, I almost didn't buy from them. I almost thought, oh, they must just be out of business. Um, because they didn't have that consistency. And so much, so many people tell me that's the thing they struggle with. I start off really great. January is awesome. February is okay. And then by March, I'm just, I'm out of it. I don't need, I can't have time. I don't know what to write. I lose touch with things. I don't, you know, I have too much happening. I go on vacation, I come back and I'm really ready to go. And then I still don't know what to do. I don't know what to write. And so when I do my plan, my social media plan with someone, or I do it for myself even, Um, you know, it's so freeing to know that every day something's happening every day, something is going out and that it's content that I know is true, that I know is good. That's going to be here yesterday, today, and forever. It's always going to be the same type of information that needs to go out there. And if I have something exciting, if I have something new to share, I'm going to just share it. It's just going to be something that I'm going to go, Oh, I should share that. Oh, I should tell them this, but it's not going to be when I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm working on something. I'm in a big middle of a big project. I'm still being consistent. I'm still filling my funnel, even when I'm not the one actually filling it in that actual moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now that, that, that makes a, a ton of sense. And like I said, it, it's, it's something that the, the idea of consistency seems to be something that, you know, whether it be marketing or uh, if you're going to release a podcast, they, <laughs> everything you will read will say, Hey, you want to put out a podcast, you know, weekly or, or even if it's going to be biweekly or monthly, but have a, a schedule that again, the magic word is consistent. Um, and, and that goes just a long way for like, like you're talking about for the audience or the consumer to understand that this is still alive (laughs) for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. Um, so uh, kind of shifting gears, you know, just ever so slightly, um, really more, I, I guess about your own experience with it all. And this doesn't have to be the favorite or the the, the singular best <laughs> client or, or anything like that, because um, I'm totally putting you on the spot. But <laughs> what is a a client or a story um, from your your work that that stands out? You know, since you've been doing this, there's a couple. Um, one specifically, it was a husband and wife team. They were running a small. Um, medical uh, management company. Mm -hmm. And what that means is uh, when someone would come out of the hospital, they would help them do medication management so that they would actually go and get their prescriptions for them. They would fill a timered box and then they would um, send that, they would deliver that box to the person's home. So while they were in kind of like home rehab, home recovery um, with their nurse or their companion or their, their children even, um, or the, you know, their spouse, 
that person didn't have to worry about is the medication being taken on time. The box was timered. It would only open certain slots at certain times. It was really, really cool system. And it actually reduces um, hospitalizations or rehospitalizations by a huge amount. Huh. They have all this data for it. It was really, really neat. And I thought this is a great company. This, this company doesn't need to be small. They need to be bigger because they're doing something awesome. Right. Um, so I, I started working with her. We did a um, website in a day and we did a branding day. Um, she didn't really need a whole lot, but her website was, was definitely DIY. She knew that she needed to update it. So we sat down, we did her brand. We actually redid her brand, renamed the company slightly, uh, just gave it a little more clarity. And we redid the website the second day. And on the end of the second day, we're sitting there and I said, what do you think? And, and we kind of had gone through all the pages. We were looking at the last one. She was kind of approving as we went. And she turned to me and she was crying. And I was like, what is going on? Did I do something wrong? Is something up, you know, mm-hmm. upsetting you? And she goes, I am not a small business anymore. Like, I'm not like just, it's not just me and my husband. Mm. We're not a mom and pop. And I said, okay. And, and she, I'm just kind of confused because I wasn't really sure where this is going. And she said, you have shown me that I have a real business. Mm. And they had been doing it for, I think, almost 10 years. Wow. And she said, I have a real business. She goes, I have always been afraid to walk into the major hospital in our city and actually put my card on the table and say, look, I can save you millions of dollars a year with our system because it's totally true. And because rehospitalizations actually charge the hospitals, they charge them if someone gets rehospitalized. Medicare actually takes money away from the hospital. It's really crazy. And she's like, I can save them millions of dollars by just doing this one simple thing. They could pay a little tiny amount and save millions. And I said, you've never told them this? And she goes, I've been too afraid. I'm just a mom and pop. It's just me and my husband. We're, We're not anything big. And she's looked at me. She's like, I'm going in there next week. I am walking in there. I know who I'm going to talk to. I know who I'm going to share this with. I know who I'm going to sell this to. She, and you know, she had other opportunities along the way, but she just was so empowered to say, I'm a real business. Like this is important work that we're doing. It's not just something that keeps, you know, the bills paid and and food on the table. This is real. This can help real people. It can save people's lives Mm -hmm. and it can save someone in a company millions of dollars. And she just saw it because she had this foundation of a brand that was professional. She had a professional website that looked and shared the message and looked like it was a legit thing. You know, it wasn't just her DIY that she did, you know, five years ago. Right. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a great thing that she was so happy that she felt that empowered to just walk right into the hospital and be like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to save you money. <laughs> right. That's yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, and that just speaks, you know, to, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, working with nonprofits or, or, or charity organizations and how, you know, marketing for them is is a wonderful thing because it helps people know that they're they're there. And and this is yet another example where it's not a nonprofit, but it's a business that's solving, you know, which I obviously a lot of businesses do, <laughs> not all, but but a lot solve problems mm-hmm. um, in, in really, in a really good way. <laughs> I mean, technically yes. McDonald's solves the problem of hunger, but I don't know right. if it's ideal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, no, that's a, that's a really powerful story. And I, I, you know, I, I think that makes a lot of sense what you're talking about with how getting away, I mean, and really to their, 
credit. I mean, they did hire a consultant, right, in in you <laughs> to, to come in and help them make it more professional. So that it's not like they just snapped their fingers and all of a sudden they weren't mom and pop. They really did take that extra step to, yeah. to kind of cross that line. Um, but I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And, and that's that's really cool. So I assume they're still in business. <laughs> yes, yes. And they're doing well. Um, and they still have their website and their logo. And, um, and like I said, other opportunities have come up for them. And um, but it, but it was just, it's just one of those things where I was just like, that is why I do this. This is not, you know, obviously I want to feed my family and, and have my family be, you know, clothed and fed and housed over their heads and stuff like that. But yeah. that I want to see other people empowered. And, and I actually, I was answering some questions for a podcast I'm supposed to be on in a couple of weeks. And one of the questions was, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want that, that legacy to be? Mm. And I, I just wrote like, you know, I don't. I don't really need them to say anything about me. Mm. I just want to see that they move forward and they actually, yeah, the recognition is nice. You know, obviously they're like, Oh, Elizabeth helped me with this. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. Thanks. <laughs> you know, but I want to see that they actually succeeded in their goal. I want to see that they actually succeeded in their dream. I'm working with a, a girl right now. She was about to close her business last week. Oh, And I, I encouraged her because I know, and it's not one of those things where I'm kind of pushing her into a bad situation or anything. I know she can do this mm. and she just got overwhelmed a little in over her head and she didn't, she didn't really want to move forward. She was afraid. She was too scared. She got almost paralyzed herself and just like with fear. And right. I just kept encouraging her and sharing that I knew she could do it and the reasons I knew she could do it and evidence of how she'd done it in the past. And when she, she kind of took all that in a week went by and she still had said she was closing. Um, she said there was a big announcement. She ended up, bring her sister in and now they're going to be partners. And I said to her, I was like, I will sit with you. We will do coffee. We will, you know, you buy me lunch, whatever, but I want you to actually succeed at this. So what do you need to succeed? Like, what is the thing you're missing? And so just being able to see someone go from, I'm closing my business to wait, I think I can do this and I'm actually going to ask for help. I'm going to get the help I need and I'm going to go out and do the hard work of making this a thing and building the life that I want. Then that is all that, I, that's what I need. That's what I want from it. You know, I want to see people go from that part where they're just like, I don't know if this is going to work. What do I do here? I'm stuck to, I can do this. This is what I was meant to do and I'm going to move forward. And I've seen people that I've taught surpass me. I've seen them make more money than me. I've seen them go on to speak at conferences I want to speak at, you know, right. but it's because I, and I like, I want to see that. I want to see other people even surpass me because that's my job. And that's my, my purpose for them is to, to help be, help them get to that point. So that's kind of, you know, the thing, that's the reason I do this. It's not just for the money. I mean, obviously that's nice and everybody likes to be secured, but you know, it's definitely to see people, say, I'm, I'm a big business now. Like I am a real business. Like this is what I'm meant to do. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love, I love the empowerment side of, of the work that you're doing. Um, well, Elizabeth, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you this evening. Um, I will have, make sure and have links to your website and the show notes and everything, but, but just so people can hear it while, while we're talking, where should people find you if they want to get more information or, or listen to your podcast or any of that stuff? Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really enjoyed it. And you can go and find more about me at getabsolutemarketing.com. And feel free to join uh, the membership. It's really a lot of fun. We do a lot of fun trainings and things in there. And also um, sign up for the email list. Um, you can get all the podcasts and the blog posts that we put out.
Awesome. Well, Elizabeth Pampelone, thank you again for joining. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
Right, guys. Well, that's all for the show today. Thank you so much again to Elizabeth Pampalone for stopping by. Again, that website is getabsolutemarketing.com and we'll have a link in that in the show notes for you. Also, of course, thank you to Misha Zarens for providing the music today. And last but not least, thank you listener for listening to the episode. I also welcome you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which I co-host with my friend Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters. If you like long-form conversations like this, think you'll enjoy pick up your sticks which can be found anywhere podcasts are found as always thanks for listening have a great week stay up